by Passion Church, the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. I remember when I was about 12 years old, I was always hanging out with my little brother Heath. He's six years old, a little old cotton top, had two silver teeth, you know. We, we decided we was going to go fishing one day. We lived in, in Memphis, and so there wasn't a lot of ponds near us, and the nearest pond was behind a, a funeral home, I guess so, about four or five miles away. But we'd get our fishing poles. One Saturday, we got our fishing poles, and we got our tuba crickets, you know, and we set out to go fishing at this funeral home. We took off walking, and I noticed Heath was just slumped. You know, usually he's, why, you know, all the time. And he, he was just all slumped, and Looked like he just ate one of them crickets out of the tube or something. You know, he just had a sour look on his face. I said, what's wrong, boy? He said, nothing. I said, come on, you can tell me. He says, I ain't telling you. You always tell on me. I said, when did I ever tell on you? He says, he starts naming off all these times. <laughs> I said, but that was last week, Heath. I'm different. You know, big brothers are to be trusted, right? Tell me. And so I, I said, you can trust me. And he says, you sure? I said, yeah, yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't tell on you. He said, well, all right, I, I stole $5 out of Mama's purse and spent it on Pac-Man down at the barbecue place. <laughs> you got to understand, $5 to us back in those days might be something we ate on for that week, you know. And here he is playing Pac-Man instead of eating. You know, I didn't think that was a good trade. I said, you what? I'm going back to tail, you know. And I started heading back home. And he started crying, please, you said you wouldn't. And then I thought, well, it's too far to go back. All right, let's. So we kept on walking. He said, please don't tell, please. I said, I, went, I told you I wasn't going to tell. I made him feel real bad and everything. But I, I said I wasn't going to tell. And so we went on, we caught some fish or whatever. On the way back, we was cutting up. He, he had got the, the load off of his shoulders. He, he was back to the little old heath, you know. And, uh, and so we walked back to, walking back to the house, and everything was hunky-dory. And, and we no sooner opened the screen door, I, sh I shouted out, Mama, he stole $5 out of your billfold. <laughs> <laughs> I no sooner got it out of out of my mouth than I felt that tube of crickets hitting me in the back of the head. <laughs> and I'm telling you, he was a mean little rascal. He come at me with both arms swinging like this right there, you know. And and I was just trying to hold him off like I did. You know, I was so much taller, I hold him off, man. But he wouldn't stop. I ended up having to pick him up and take him outside and throw him in the mulberry bush but to get him to quit. But I say all that to say... Be careful who you tell your stuff to. <laughs> you know, isn't it the, it the police officers say, uh, whatever you say might be held against you. Right? And so my message today, now don't be equating me with the devil because of that story. But the devil wants to use your words against you. 
Whatever you say, he's listening. He's trying to get you to say what he wants you to say. Just as God, on the other hand, is trying to get you to say what he wants you to say. And your words can be used against you or with you either way. There was a campaign during World War II where they put out some posters for all the sailors that said, Loose lips sink ships. Now, I know most of us wasn't around for back then, but it's part of history. Loose lips sink ships. Because they were noticing that the sailors, when they come to port, they might get out and go to a night, uh, you know, a nightclub or a, a pub or something. They might be sitting there drinking beer with the... Uh, the guy next to them making a new friend, they think, you know, and, oh, we're going to so-and-so, and then we're setting sail for so-and-so. Our mission is this, and they're, you know, they're just telling where they're going. They don't know that that's a spy. They don't know that the enemy's sitting right there. Yeah, tell me more. Oh, that's your plan? Huh. Demons, get on it. And they were noticing that whole ships were getting sunk because of loose lips. So we got to be careful. Not to betray ourselves to the devil. Say words. words. You know, you're not just speaking into the air. Your words are important. Psalms 141, verse 3. It says, Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. <laughs> I noticed the psalmist didn't say, Help me set a guard over my mouth. He probably already knew. How many of you know it's hard to set... To, to shut your mouth. The psalmist says, you do it, God. I can't do it. <laughs> Keep watch over the door of my lips. Because it's like a barn door flapping wide open all the time. Blah, blah, blah. Loose lips. Say loose lips. Loose lips will not only topple ships, but it will destroy and bring down whole kingdoms. You understand? The power of our word. Life and death is in the power of our tongue. Oh, you guys already knew all this. I'm just going to go ahead and close. Well, I know you already know it, but this is just a refresher. Just a reminder. We need that every now and then, right? In 1956, the Russian communist leader, Nikita Khrushchev, he said, we will take America without firing a shot. We do not have to invade the U.S., we will destroy you from within. What did he mean? How are they going to do it? Words. Say words. I'm trying to get you to see something. The enemy knows the power of words. Russia was our enemy. They know the power of words. We better know the power of words. See, China, Russia, Iran, all of those nations, they cannot compete with us militarily. Where did I say? Somebody said words. <laughs> These peoples. But with a campaign of propaganda, that's what Nikita Khrushchev meant. And you know what? In, in the past, they had to send some spies over or implant people or, or something to get them to speak those words over America. But today, 
they got free access through the internet. Every one of you in here who's picked up your phone and got on social media has been sitting next to the enemy and didn't know it. All this division, all this racism talk and all this stuff, it comes about every four years. Division, division, division. And then they're trying to to push on our children especially. Uh, Try socialism. It's the thing. Try Marxism. Try communism. Look how well it's worked over here. Okay, okay, so it didn't work over here, but it'll work over there, I promise. Okay, so it's never worked anywhere, but you guys are smart enough to make it happen. Everything will be fair. We'll make everybody equal. Well, God didn't make everybody equal. We're all different. Say words. Surely not us Christians are listening to those divisive words. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 says about us, he said, And you he made alive who were once dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Say once walked. You once believed all that stuff. You, you once were dead in your sins and trespasses. You didn't know any better. You believe anything anybody told you. But now, thank God, we got a light to shine on our path. We got the truth so that we can recognize the counterfeit. No, no, no. You once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. What does it mean, the prince, prince of the power of the air? Prince of the power. He's talking about Satan, isn't he? He's talking about Satan, and, and why is he the prince of the power of the air? I believe he's talking about the airwaves. All those signals coming in on your phone are coming through the airwaves. Direct access to your mind. And if you open the gate of your mind to, to those lies and that divisive talk, it gets planted into your heart and it produces a crop that you don't want to harvest. And it's producing an America we don't want to live in right now. But not a Christian. We should know better. We should hear the voice of the Lord saying, this is the way, walk in it. According to the course of this world, uh uh-uh. According to the prince of the power of the air, uh uh-uh. That's Satan's mouthpiece. The spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. That's where all this disobedience is coming from. The devil's after your words. He wants you to fill your airways with his trash. Because he knows what you say, you will soon display. What you're saying, you'll soon be displaying. Because your mouth leads the way. Your mouth sets your course in your life. Your words frame your world just like God frames the, the worlds with his word when he said, let there be. And your words are framing your life. <clears throat> I remember the story of Gideon. 
He's not just the guy that puts out the Bibles, but he's actually a guy that really lived. And uh, I think it's Judges chapter 6 and through 8 talks about Gideon. But Gideon was hiding down in a wine press threshing wheat. Now, first of all, you're supposed to press wine in a wine press and not thresh wheat, right? But he's down there because he's hiding from the Midianites. These big bullies have come and they, they, they uh, intimidate Israel and they steal all their crops, take all their stuff, all their livestock, and leave them with nothing. They're being oppressed. It's one of those times where God's people weren't following God and so the, the blessing of God left them and they were out there on their own and they, they were getting a taste of what that looks like. The enemies were conquering them. The devil was in control over Israel. And here Midian is hiding in this wine press. And the angel of the Lord shows up. The angel of the Lord says, Gideon, why are you hiding down here, you mighty man of valor? And he spoke words over Gideon. And, and Gideon said, well, if... Uh, if all that's true, then why are we going through such pain and heartache? Why are the Midianites in charge? Why are all these things happening? And if I'm a mighty man of valor, then why am I down here in this wine press hiding? Don't you know who I am? I am the least one in my whole family, and my family is the least one in our tribe, and our tribe is the least in the whole all the tribes of Israel. I'm just this little insignificant person. And so you see the contrast of what Gideon has believed, the words that he has believed that has begun to speak out of his mouth and has created his reality. And so God, in the form of I believe, the angel of the Lord, I believe, precarnate Jesus comes and says, Get in, you mighty man of valor. And he gives him the truth. That's who God created you to be, a mighty man or a woman of valor. But you've said all these things about yourself, and now you're hiding in, in the midst of, you, you're hiding from the enemy. I wonder if Gideon thought to himself, I, you know, I love football, but I'm too little to try out for the team. I wonder if Gideon thought to himself one day, I think I could do that job, but I'm just not smart enough. Maybe I should start this business. I've got this idea for a business, but I'll just have to give it to somebody else because I, you know, I'm, who am I to try something that big? What have you let go? What words have you allowed to be spoken over your life to cause you to just sink down into this wine press and hide? Yeah, there's an enemy out there. But you're bigger than the enemy. You and God are a majority. Don't let words be spoken over you and steal the things that God wants to do in you. You are a mighty man or a woman of valor. And you can conquer. I can do all things 
in Jesus' name. And Gideon, what did he do? He went on with 300 men to, to wipe out the, the enemies of God and deliver Israel. He just had to speak different words. Because those words affect the way you see the world, the way you see yourself, more importantly. <clears throat> you remember, I think two or three weeks ago, I don't know how we got on the subject, but it was about lies that we have believed, and we put a lies box out here. You remember? And I asked you to go home and think about the lies that you have believed about yourself and that you wanted, to, you wanted to be done with those once and for all. You know, people said you're an alcoholic. People said that you'll never be healed. People said this and that, things that are holding you back. Write them down. We're going to kill them on the altar. And so we placed that lies box on the altar. And then the next week, I remember saying, you know how God has a way of weaving things from week to week that I'm not even aware of until after it happens. said, uh, instead of just getting rid of the old, we need to replace it. You know, our minds are always thinking we have to, we have to put something in its place. It's like that, that parable Jesus said, you, you cast out the devil, but you don't replace it with anything else. Then the devil comes back stronger than he was before. You just leave that empty place. So I said, let's find out what the promises of God are, what the Word of God says about ourselves, and let's, let's replace it. So I gave you some homework to find out. If you believe that lie, go back to where you first believed it and see what the Word of God has to say it and replace it with that. And then today, I'm going to ask you to do something even further. I'm going to ask you to start speaking those words over your life. That's what's going to bring it to pass. That's going to reframe your world. Man, I got a list of stuff that I say at least weekly back there that I've been doing for several years. I speak over my family, over my finances, over my leadership ability, over uh, my dedication to the Lord, things that I confess. It's a profession of faith. And some of the things on there, when I first wrote them down, I was like, boy, I don't know if I should even write that. That don't even sound like me. But you know what? saying it? Every other day or every week or however often I say it, at least once a week. I got it written on my computer, so I look at it, and I make myself do it, and I read it out loud. And over time, everything on that list I begin to identify with. I begin to say, this is who God made me. Now I prayed over this list, and I said, God, show me who you say I am. Does it matter more what you say you are or what God says you are? Does it matter at all what the devil says you are? Everything out of his mouth is a lie. If the enemy is telling you something, then you know it's not true. So I begin to profess good words over my life. And I begin to do what you call spiritual warfare. Let's turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 3. Y'all awful quiet today. I'm going to have to get one of y'all to come up here and finish it up for me. Second <laughs> Corinthians 10, verse 3, says, Though we live in the world, we do not wage war, war as the world does. Once again, we're different. We used to be. We once walked. We used to be, right? But now, 
The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have the divine power to demolish strongholds. You see, those things that you believed about yourself created strongholds, things that held you down, held you captive, things that you felt like you couldn't get free of. It might be an addiction. It might just be something that you've always thought about yourself that's limited you. Well, I don't... I don't get along with people. I have no personality, so I'm not going to any of those life groups. They'll laugh at me. Stupid stuff. And I would dare say that all of us have stupid stuff that we have believed about ourselves. Somebody said it back in the third grade, and we have held on to it. Words. You don't think words are important? Things that were spoken as a child are still limited in some of us. I know, I know God's still working with me. Maybe you can identify. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. So what is the weapon that demolishes these strongholds and the ways that we've held ourselves captive? We demolish arguments. And every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to the obedience of Christ. When that old lie that created that stronghold comes back up, you say, no, no. You get your weapon out. Say, the word of God says this. What is the offensive weapon found in Ephesians chapter 6 when we put on the whole armor of God. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. That's what you cut up the devil's words with. That's what you demolish strongholds. You begin to speak a better word. You begin to speak something different than the lies that you have believed. The truth shall set you free. Take up that sword of the Spirit. Get those sword. What does it say? Jesus is coming back with a sword in his mouth. And when he comes back, will he find faith on the earth? Will he find anybody believing his word? Anybody else with a sword in their mouth? Are we all laying down and saying, yeah, devil, I guess that's true. Wallowing in self-pity. Wallowing in I can'ts. Wallowing in I don't think so. Not me. You mighty man and woman of valor. Wake up! Wake up into who God created you to be. Do not let the devil hold you down any longer. You begin to speak a new word. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not old man's ideas. Bring down the strongholds. Isaiah 55, 11 says, God says, So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing that I sent it. He framed the world by saying his words, and we frame our world by saying our words. No. That's not true. That's not true. Back up. 
He framed the world by his words, and we frame our world by his words. You can't just speak any old dumb thing. That's just like listening to the devil. Our words don't carry power, but his words still do. And if his promise is in the Bible for you, it's yes and amen, you speak it. It's his words that will change your life. All this self-help stuff. No. If you could have helped yourself, you'd have done it a long time ago. Trust in the Lord. Speak his words over your life. They carry the power of life. Mature Christians need to learn to filter their words too. I'm serious. I'm serious. We don't need to just we don't need to be have idle comments all the time. We don't need foolish jesting, the Bible calls it. We don't just need to say whatever's on our mind. And really what troubles me worse than anything is is people in the church getting a beef with somebody else and then talking about them behind their backs and stirring up strife and all this division and stuff. Man, that's just showing a lack of maturity on your part as a Christian. Really. You should not be talking about your brothers and sisters. And you know what? I hear about it most of the time. People come tattle to me. Stop tattling to me. And when you hear somebody talking about somebody else in the church or in their family or something, say, wait a minute. Let's me and you go talk to them directly. And that'll shut that up. Because there's a way to handle conflict and it's not talking about people behind their backs. And you know what? I can't. I can't. I wonder how many churches have split because one person had this loud mouth, had some kind of little cause that they started talking about, you know, and started bringing people over to their, don't you believe this? I think the pastor does this. I think the church ought to do this. Got all these strong opinions, start hoarding up people to themselves. Next thing you know, nobody has talked to the pastor or the leadership. Nobody has went and had a constructive conversation with anybody. Just a lot of hearsay and a lot of nothing, nothing, nothing. A lot of judgmental talk, a lot of this, that, and the other. And the next thing you know, half the people in the church leave. And you've destroyed the work of God with your own mouth as a Christian. We, we, we got to be bigger than that. I told you, uh, we got to encourage one another so much more as we see the day approaching. I told you, we're living in desperate times. I told you, I believe we're in the end. I believe the devil knows his time's short, and he's trying to work through each and every one of us. You give him your tongue, and he will use it. Now, some of you, I've even heard about some of you don't like certain, certain person in this church. Big whoopty. Some of you, I don't like their personality. I don't like this or that. Ain't nobody called you to like everybody. God called you to love everybody. And love covers. Love don't talk about each other behind the backs. Come on now. 
We got different personalities. Not everybody's going to get along. But it ain't about what you like. Let them be them. Aren't we big enough on the inside to let people be who God created them to be? They ain't supposed to be like you. They ain't, they ain't here to please you. That's hard preaching there, isn't it? James 1.26 says, If you claim to be religious, but you don't control your tongue, you're fooling yourself and your religion is worthless. What, what do you do if you don't like somebody in the church? Well, that's between you and God, but don't let your tongue run with it. Ask God. Begin to pray for that person. If you begin... I found out that anybody you pray for and anybody you pray for, God will begin to give you his eyes about how much he loves that person. I pray for presidents I don't like. I pray that God will get a hold of their heart. If I find somebody I don't like, I start praying for them. The next thing you know, God gives me a heart for that person. I, you know, that's the way we do. That's the way we have to do. If we're just as judgmental as the world... Backbiting and stabbing and strife, that's every evil work, the Bible says. We can't have part of that. None of that. So I'm, I'm reasoning with anybody in here who has a beef with somebody. I'm not saying you even got to tell them, but stop telling everybody else. <laughs> and I would advise you to get with the Lord and grow up about it. James 3, 2 says, indeed, we all make many mistakes. I know I have. For if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect. And we'd also be able to control ourselves in every other way. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small little rudder makes a huge ship turn. Wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue. Look at your neighbor and say, In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches. But a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. Even though it's so little, you can burn down the whole church with this little thing. I like what Angie said one time. I don't know where she stole it. But when we're talking bad about the church, talking bad about one another, talking bad about the pastor, you're peeing in the pool that you got to swim in. I think there's a better way to handle it, right? And among all the parts of your body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a world of wickedness, corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. But not the tongue of a believer. We speak a better word. We speak a better word. What I'm trying to say is words have consequences. 
Jesus said in Matthew 12, 35, a good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from a treasury of an evil heart. Where are the words coming from? You've got to ask yourself, if you only speak negative, you're always bad-mouthing other people, what is that saying about your heart? And I tell you this, this is Jesus speaking. You must give an account on judgment day for every idle word you speak. The words you say will either acquit or condemn you. How did Jesus do it? You know, the main way I feel like I sin is opening my mouth. (laughs) How did Jesus live 33 years here on the earth and never sin? Never say something that he shouldn't have said. Well, John 12, 49 says, he says, I don't speak on my own authority. The father who sent me has commanded me what to say. And how to say it. Oh, he enters a new level right here. He's not just saying this. It's not just what you say, huh? It's how you say it. You might be speaking the truth, but you might be cutting somebody up. What do he say? Speak the truth in love. It's not just what you say. It's how you say it. And he said, I know his commands lead to eternal life. In other words, what the Father is speaking is going to bring me life and life more abundantly. So I say whatever the Father tells me to say. He keeps the Word of God. He is the Word of God. And he kept the Word of God on his lips. He spoke what the Father told him to say. That's how you keep yourself from sinning. That's how you become who you're called to be. That's how you create the world that God wanted you to have for yourself. No more loose lips. No more barn doors flapping open. Idle words and foolish jesting and all those things. We've got to understand they're not just going out there meaning nothing. There's the enemy sitting right there wanting to hold that against you. But yet on the other hand, when you speak words of life, the minister and angels are there to carry it out. listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.